Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is Metroscope, an Intercom Radio Portland public affairs program. I am your host, Preston Highfield. Joining me on Metroscope this episode are three guests from Foster Plus, Susan Midland, Angel Zamora, and Nick Gallo. And for those not familiar with Foster Plus, it is a collaborative effort between 13 nonprofit organizations to bring more foster parents into the foster care system. Each nonprofit serves kids in the foster care system who are often in need of extra support, extra guidance, and extra love. The goal of Foster Plus is to work as one group to ensure the state of Oregon has enough foster homes to care for these kids. Now let me tell you a little bit about each of the guests today, introducing Susan Midland. Susan has supported youth in the Oregon foster care system for 10 plus years. During the day, she worked with children who have been in foster care and need a more long-term solution through adoption or family reunification. Outside of work, she is a foster parent where she cares for teenage boys between 12 and 18 years. Angel Zamora is currently in the Oregon foster care system and lives with her foster mom. She is 19 years old and has been in foster care since she was a young child. Angel has participated in panel discussions and conversations about foster care to encourage other people to become more involved in the foster care system. And finally, Nick Gallo. Nick is the executive director of Youth Progress Association, which is another member of the Foster Plus Collaborative. Nick has spent decades working to help kids in foster care. After graduating from Portland State University with a master's in social work, he spent his first four years at the Oregon Department of Human Services. Since then, he has overseen programmatic decisions involving child and family welfare at nonprofits in Portland. He's been the executive director at Youth Progress for one and a half years. Welcome, everybody, to the show. Thanks for coming in, you guys. Thanks for having us. Yeah, Thank we're you. super excited to have you. So, Nick, let's start with you. Uh, if you could just kind of explain Foster Plus in your own words and then some of the foster care statistics in the state of Oregon here. Yes, thank you, Preston. So in the state of Oregon, uh, there is an ongoing effort to recruit qualified and capable foster parents um, to be able to meet the needs of the over 8,000 children in Oregon's foster care system. Uh, the Foster Plus Collaborative is a group of nonprofit organizations working together to bring in uh, specialized foster parents who can better serve the needs of youth who need additional support or uh, kind of the 24-7 support that our organizations are able to provide. I mean, a lot of listeners probably have some kind of idea of, of what foster care is, but could you kind of tell us why children enter the foster care system, just kind of starting from the ground level? Yeah, um, so the unfortunate reality is that there are many kids in our community who um, are living in situations where um, they may experience a little bit of abuse um, or neglect. And when um, somebody in the community, uh, law enforcement teacher, um, neighbor, um, sees somebody experiencing abuse, they are able to make a report into what's called the Child Welfare Hotline. Um, where the Department of Human Services um, then goes out and does an investigation um, to identify if the, the child is living in what would be deemed a safe environment. Um, and at times when a home is considered unsafe, um, a child would be placed into foster care when um, there isn't uh, enough family support um, in place to be able to stabilize the family situation. Um, upon making that decision then, um, there, the, the case has to be presented before a judge in court um, within 24 hours uh, to make sure that it makes sense for that child to be placed outside of their, their home. Uh -huh. 
Well, you kind of alluded to it there, but how do kids get here primarily and then they enter the system with different needs and come from different backgrounds? So how does Foster Plus help these kids with all kinds of different needs? Um, Yeah, the state of Oregon uh, and Child Protective Services makes every effort to provide um, supports uh, to keep kids safely at home with their parents um, whenever possible. Um, When unable to, um, they tap into relative and family support. Um, often the aunties or the cousins or the uncles who are able to um, be, you know, part of that natural family support. Mm-hmm. Um, at times, uh, there isn't, a, you know, a local resource available for the kids, um, and so um, youth are placed with uh, with foster parents who've been willing to open their hearts and homes to kids uh, who aren't their biological children. So, um, the state uh, makes a decision as to where to place the young person um, or you know, or the siblings, um, and um, as time progresses. The unfortunate re- reality, again, is that many kids end up growing up in the foster care system. Uh, and so Foster Plus is really designed to serve youth who have um, kind of the additional uh, uh, supports needed um, to be able to, to, to do well having experienced you know, multiple foster homes or multiple foster care placements. Yeah, that's a really good point. Uh, Angel, you started and entered foster care at a, at a young age, 13 homes before you turned 13, uh, if I have that correct. That's pretty crazy and, a, and kind of a unique experience, or at least I would hope. Could you tell us a little bit about your personal experience? Um, so I entered foster care uh, when I was a newborn. Um, I was in and out with relatives and um, also strangers to me. Um, and most of them were bad experiences I didn't get along with. Either I didn't get along with them or um, I wasn't accepted. Uh, and recently I was put in foster or put in care with my mom, uh, Zoe. Before I was put with her, or put in her care, uh-huh. uh, there were some homes that they thought it was just a bed uh-huh. that I needed instead of love and support. And um, I didn't really grow from that. Uh-huh. Uh, I didn't graduate high school on time, and now I'm trying to get my GED. Susan, you've been a foster, a foster parent for five years. What do you usually see when a children, uh, when children pardon me, are, are placed into your home? Um, scared, nervous, sometimes really tough exterior. Um, in our home, we we try to offer the ba- meet the basic needs at first. It mm-hmm. sounds very simple to do, but um, uh, other kids could probably speak on it that their basic needs get met, then they have the stability, the know that they're going to be cared for in a manner that's respectable. Um, then it moves into you know building that trust, and so that you could. Um, and then they trust you to talk with you, so it helps them grow. Um, but it's the, it's the consistency, it's the structure, meeting those basic needs that helps them start to grow from what I've seen. I mean, I'm not sure they don't always tell you that. Um, unfortunately, um, there's a lot of kids that come into care like Nick spoke about. Um, we just try to get them stabilized so that they can focus on excelling in school or meeting whatever they need to do. And, uh, (laughs) yeah, no, that's great. Let's go back to Nick if we could. So there are, you know, a lot of youth who, who move around to a lot of different homes, which I imagine is, is really kind of challenging for them. Why does that happen so often? I mean, why are why do you see kids who are moving from five, six, seven, maybe even more different homes before they're even in high school? Yeah, that's a really good question. And I think part of it is that 
the foster care system uh, was really designed around an adoption model um, where you know infants, uh, babies, you know, even you know little one and two year olds um, need somewhere safe to be um, and are looking for that forever home and you know, somebody who can can adopt them and, and take care of them uh, for the rest of their life. Um, and what happens then is that um, kids who are you know maybe a little bit older than that, even seven, eight, nine, um, or even you know uh, twelve and thirteen year olds come into the foster care system. And if they're unable to return to their parent for you know whatever reason, um, the system isn't really designed to have somebody enter in foster care at nine and mm-hmm. exit out at eighteen, and you know have the state be their their parental guardian um, over that that time. And so um, there are a lot of efforts being made um, you know locally and nationally to kind of rethink the way in which um, teens are supported in the foster care system, um, and. Um, there are there are a lot of organizations um, uh, involved um, in trying to make sure that that safety and stability is is in place, um, because the the reality is for you know somebody who you know for anybody in those teenage years, life is complicated you know already like think about you know being in middle school all the identity stuff that goes into play, and then you couple not necessarily having connection to your biological family living in this somebody who's a stranger to you's house things get pretty complicated and as a parent and as a former foster parent myself. Um, the experience um, of parenting a child who you don't know whether um, if they get a little bit injured, like do they overreact or underreact? Like when they have a, a, a cold, do they get healthy in like a day or two or does it take them longer? You don't know so much about the person that you're caring for. When um, things get complicated, you know, it, it can be really challenging to figure out how to best care for the person. Um, and so um, what happens sometimes is conflict arises um, and there isn't you know a clear path to resolution where um, both the adults and the, the young person in the home are able to figure out how to make it work. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, and so sometimes the, the easiest solution is for that young person then to move to another house or the last solution is for that young person to move to another house. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as a young person moves from one place to the next to the next, more I think more, and this is just kind of what I've gathered over the years of doing this work, is that like more like a shell is developed almost like, I don't want to let this person in because I don't know if I can trust them. I don't know if they're going to respect me. I don't know if they're going to take care of me. And so the defenses are higher, which then leads to even more complication. Mm -hmm. So what's kind of, I mean, you, you alluded to it a little bit. You said there are some organizations in place, but as far as like the solution to maybe creating a little bit more stability for these foster kids, what would you say would be the best way to do that? Yeah. I mean, I think the the solution has to start with uh, providing more support to uh, biological parents um, and moving really upstream and making sure that you know, that families in poverty have access to, to jobs and health care and, you know, the things that um, uh, limit all the psychosocial stressors that go into creating child abuse in the first place. Um, but second to that, I think, you know, having the 24-7 support, having, you know, professionals who are um, able to listen to the foster parent and understand, you know, what they're going through and listen to the young person, understand what they're going through and try to mediate or find, you know, a middle ground, a common ground, um, and, and know that, like, there's somebody um, there who is, you know, who is close to the home, who's able to support the home is really um, a part of the solution and oftentimes is able to address things early before they get too complicated where there isn't any other resolution. Mm -hmm. And we have a foster parent with us in the house in Susan. And what was your motivation to becoming a foster parent, Susan? Um, Well, I've been, I've been with Boys and Girls Aid for going on 12 years in, in March. And so I've worked in all the different aspects of the programs we umbrella. And uh, I've seen the different populations we worked with and you know, I don't typically do a lot in the evenings and different things. And so I'm like, why not help out? Because um, you see the need for the foster homes. They're not enough. They're not long-term. Um, they burn out really quickly and things like that. And so I 
was approached by the agency to become a foster parent, and that's where I started. Mm-hmm. And Nick, you have interacted with people who have opinions about youth and foster care. What are maybe some misconceptions that you could kind of speak to? Yeah, um, I mean, there's there's a lot of stuff out there. I mean, if you 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 know you watch movies or TV shows, there's not a lot of really positive portrayals of um, foster parents or youth in foster care. Um, and so I think that is kind of the the kind of overarching view is that there's you know some stigma associated with um, being a kid in foster care um, with teens in foster care. I think there's even even more so there's somehow there's this belief that you know teens that teens in foster care are at risk or troubled or disturbed or delinquent. And really, they're in foster care almost always due to no wrongdoing of their own. Mm-hmm. Um, now, that also kind of goes into play where there's, a, I think, a belief that there is enough resource, enough support from the state um, to be able to help kids in foster care. And again, the reality is that that isn't true. Um, there's been you know, some recent investments being made um, to, to better support kids in the foster care system. But the, the funding isn't there, um, and then the, just the general support of our community, wrapping our arms around kids who are growing up who are you know, in the foster care system, they're our community's kids. Um, mm-hmm. We need to do a better job rallying together to make sure that, that um, kids and young adults um, have all the supports they need, because at the end of the day, kids in foster care are kids, mm-hmm. right? um, and they're leaders and scholars and artists and athletes and mm-hmm. uh, future entrepreneurs who just need every opportunity to be successful, and we as a community need to rally behind um, uh, supporting uh, young folks in the system. Mm-hmm. So this is Nick Angel and Susan joining us. And then Angel, so you were eventually connected with a foster parent in a foster home. Were you able to find some stability? Just what was that experience like for you? I mean, did you feel relief? Did you feel excitement? Just how, how did that feel and how did that play out in the first place? Um, I was I was kind of hesitant at first because, like I said before, I was in and out of foster homes that I didn't get along with them or they didn't exactly accept me. Um, My mom kind of took it slow um, and didn't right away judge me for what was on my files. (laughs) Um, She didn't force me to explain myself or my experience. And uh, she slowly got to know me I slowly got to know her and uh, she started helping me make plans to be successful in life Uh and I guess when I realized that she was there to help me and um, to accept me I felt really relieved and um, I realized that I finally found my home Uh that and I, I found a person that I could call mom uh-huh. and who accepted me. And so what were some of the things that you wish maybe adults would have been able to teach you growing up? Uh, how you, I would imagine you kind of had to learn on the fly a lot of different life experiences and skills and at a, at a super young age, which can be challenging when you're just trying to you know stay in school and have good social experiences with friends and things like that. I mean, what are some of those skills that you wish you'd been taught at an early age that you think a lot of the foster care kids should be taught when they're in these homes? Not to give up on yourself. Um, Being in foster care can kind of uh, put you down and make you feel lost. And so when you feel lost, you lose yourself completely Mm -hmm. and you know you start giving up on school you start giving up on finding friends you start giving up on um loving people uh 
And I just, I would have appreciated someone to tell me that, yes, life isn't sunshine and rainbows, but it will get better and not to give up. Mm-hmm. And I think this next question is something you guys could all answer from from your own perspective, just as far as what is it about that support that, Susan, you were just talking about helps foster kids succeed in life and helps them kind of get to a, to a next step? What is it about that support from the from the foster parents, you know, that genuine support and teaching of life skills that really helps kids develop into who they want to be or who they can become? I guess it's that it's, it t- takes a little bit of chaos out of their life if they can take care of their own basic needs one day. Um, and it sets them up to show that they can succeed in things um, with the support and consistency from somebody. Angel? Um, I agree with her. <laughs> uh. Uh, learning, learning the small things, uh, you start realizing that you can um, really get out there and actually learn things. Uh-huh. And um, once you learn the small things, you kind of start challenging yourself to learn you know, a lot bigger and useful things is what I was trying to say. (laughs) Yeah. That will really get the, the person or youth somewhere in line as they get older. Kind of on the right track. Nick, what about about you? Yeah. I mean, at Youth Progress, we talk a lot about how the relationship and the engagement has to come before any teaching can actually happen. Um, So again, for us, it's, and it starts with safety and stability. Mm-hmm. You have to create an environment in which a young person can feel safe um, and be safe um, and can experience some stability. Having you know, been through you know, different homes, it, it can be destabilizing. Um, and then beyond that, it's about, I mean, it's about hope. Mm-hmm. It's about optimism. It's about belief. Mm-hmm. Like, again, creating that sense of belonging. Like, all of that has to come first. Um, and that's where then like the true work can begin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And then just kind of big picture, Nick, the ideal foster care system for kids to to achieve that goal of of creating hope and belief. What would you say that is? Yeah, I mean, that's a big question. Um, I think there's a lot of a lot of great folks in the state working on that. Um, and I think a piece of it is really thinking about outcomes um, and what does success look like and how do we measure success as a system. Um, When we look at the public funding uh, invested into the child welfare system, we look at the support that comes through philanthropy and through supportive individuals throughout our community, there's a lot of effort that goes in um, to working with youth in the foster care system. um, And there is not a lot of really solid outcome data of, did this young person get their needs met? Did this young person make it to high school, do this young person get to college and graduate. Like we need to challenge ourselves to do more and that just good enough isn't good enough when we're talking about the lives of young people mm-hmm. in our community. Um, and so really being able to look at you know, what is truly best for each child, um, not what's easiest for the adults, which unfortunately happens at times, um, or what quote unquote resources can allow for. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I mean by that is that you know, with, within the, the youth that we serve, um, through Foster Plus agencies, oftentimes when a young person starts doing well enough, um, they then have to think about moving to a different home at times because they need a, a kind of a forever family. And by design, we're not necessarily providing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that causes another transition for a young person um, into another um, person's home at times. And so I think we can be creative. There's a lot of solutions out there. Um, we're in a time of great innovation um, mm-hmm. across you know all the different disciplines and industries. Um, and there's a great opportunity within foster care and the way in which we do foster care in our state um, to be more innovative and creative and really prioritize what's best for kids. Mm-hmm. No, that's a very, very good answer. Uh, okay, this is a question for everyone. Let's start with 
Angel, though, um, what would you say that are some things that people in this room can do to better help children in foster care? I mean, you guys all have different perspectives with a foster child and a foster mom and then a guy who's kind of leading the effort. What would you say that people in this room can do to help, uh, you know, improve the overall foster care process for everyone involved? Yeah, um, I know that uh, foster youth are provided resources once they are, like, transition transitioning out of foster care. Um, but I don't think that it's uh, introduced them, a majority of the foster youth. So they're kind of stuck. They learned all these, these things, but they don't have help to actually get out there. Um, so I think kind of expanding the resources and actually providing maybe, I don't know, a packet um, or uh, kind of meeting with them and helping them uh, get adjusted to mm-hmm. the world after their their uh, transition. Mm-hmm. So some kind of some instructions there. I, yeah, I think that's a good answer. Susan, what about you from the foster parent perspective? Um, I think it's great that Angel um, is talking a lot of panels, making sure that her you know her voice is being heard for changes, um, for people to increase all those things. And I I think it's just important to continue to express to kids to advocate for your needs. Um, in the in the appropriate manner, seek out people that can help guide that trek up the big hill that they're trying to to go over. Um, from a foster parent perspective, I think it's just being supportive and um, continuing to keep in contact with the ones that leave if they need any support. Um, I know there are a few that we still talk with that have left our home. Um, we don't always keep in touch with all, which would be awesome, but um, reality is that it doesn't happen. But we're we're always there if they if they reach out to us. Um, and I just think it's all these initiatives that they're coming up with um, to expand the knowledge and things around helping kids in need is um, is important. Just keep like the radio station um, saying what we need, kind of thing, and getting it out there. Mm-hmm. That's well said. And then Nick, if you could just kind of follow up with your perspective. Yeah, I, th- I mean, I think three things. Um, one is that you know complicated problems take complicated solutions. And so we need to take the time to really rethink how we can do this better. Um, And that takes some um, effort in what's kind of seen as a crisis-driven workspace, um, a crisis-driven system. Um, And so, you know, being able to both solve the problems of today and plan for a better tomorrow, like we have to make time for that. Um, Second, and I think a, a key part of this um, is to make sure that the right voices are around the table, the right voices are involved of um, uh, young adults um, and adults who have grown up in the foster care system. There's a lot of amazing folks um, who have had the chance to meet who um, are leaders in this work who grew up in foster care and making sure that they're, you know, they're strong at the table and help to guide you know, what decisions are because they've had that lived experience and often had that professional experience as well um, to be able to create um, good solid solutions. Um, and the third, simple, it's vote. Really vote um, based on you know what your what your priorities are. I mean, if we prioritize kids in our state, vote for folks who do. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we prioritize kids in our country, vote for people who do. Mm-hmm. All right, those are those are all very good points, and I appreciate that, you guys. Um, so. There are a lot of things that need changing in order to improve the foster care system in Oregon, like you guys were just alluding to. You just mentioned vote as one of the you know actions. But uh, if you guys could all, maybe we'll start with Susan and then could just go this way. Just one thing that really comes to your mind as far as what we could all do to really improve the foster care system uh, in the state of Oregon. If you have a big heart and want to help, reach out to somebody and talk with them about what it takes to foster care. You'd be surprised how easy it actually can be um, to 
to to open your doors to somebody in need. Okay. Angel? I also think that we need uh, more um, foster parents and um, do see that a lot of foster parents are mainly focused on younger youth, you know, younger than 12 or 13. Um, and there is a lot of need for foster homes for older teenagers that need help as well because there is homeless youth out mm-hmm. there um, that are becoming homeless because they don't have home- welcoming arms to go to. Mm-hmm. And Nick, just one thing that kind of comes to mind. Get involved uh, in whatever way makes sense for you. It, it may be um, talking with a Foster Plus agency um, about the potential of becoming a foster parent. Um, it may be uh, volunteering. Um, it may be you know, connecting you know, with your church or with you know, your uh, community groups to, to donate or um, to, to find a local group in your area that um, is working with kids in, in foster care and, and show support however best you can. All right, you guys. Well, we really appreciate you guys coming on and sharing your mature and, and brave perspectives on a problem that really matters and that affects our community. Thank you so much for coming on. Awesome. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. Thank you. We were talking today with Susan, Angel, and Nick from Foster Plus. Metroscope is an intercom radio Portland public affairs program. I'm Preston Highfield. If you're involved with a nonprofit or public affairs organization, or if you have an idea for an upcoming show, I'd like to hear from you. Visit MetroscopePDX.com and submit your ideas. You can also go to this station's website and submit your information there. Thanks for listening to Metroscope, and enjoy the rest of your weekend. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.